welcome back to Dram Fine, the podcast where we talk about all things whiskey. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Pamela. In this episode, we are going to chat about independent bottling with the global ambassador for Douglas Lang. We have Stuart Baxter here all the way from Scotland to talk us through a tasting of Douglas Lang's finest blends. We would love for you to take a sec to subscribe to our show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star review if you like what you hear. You can also support us by heading to our website, dramfine.com, and click on the Buy Us a Coffee link. You can also check out our merch in the Dramfine store. Let's do it. Yep, let's do it. Well, hello, hello, Pam. How are you? Very well. How are you doing? Ah, uh, you know what? Not too, not too bad. It's um, it's kind of like smells like barbecue outside right now. Because uh, of the fires from BC, but you know, the first day was kind of like oh barbecue. Now it's like ooh. Now it's like my eyes hurt. My lungs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. It's not good. Well, yeah, it's not good at all. <laughs> well, we're talked up today doing this, so we'll be all right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah. We're super, super psyched to have um. Stuart on today to chat all things like independent bottling and and uh we mentioned before we're going to taste some of uh the blends from Douglas Slang as well I'm super excited so uh I don't know should we keep him waiting in the wings for much longer or I think we should bring him in okay we should bring him in he's been waiting patiently yeah he has (laughs) okay let's get him in here all right all right let's bring him in hello Stuart how are you Hey guys, how's it going? You all right? Yeah, we're doing pretty good. So glad to have you on the pod. Oh, I'm so, so happy to be here. So happy to be here. Finally happy to be here. Finally. It's been a long slog to make this happen. (laughs) We're going to call this the cursed episode. We just had some issues connecting a few times, but you know what? This is going to be worth it because like, it's going to be the best one. Just disclaimer, everyone. It's going to be an amazing episode. (laughs) Actually, already. (laughs) Yep. So, so where are you, where are you um, coming from today? Where are you broadcasting live from today? So I'm coming from Glasgow. Yep. So we're Douglas Langer based, where I've grown up my whole life, Glasgow, Scotland. Yeah. And how's, how's the view out there today? You know what? It's quite, as Glasgow goes, it's quite lovely. We've got 21 degrees today. It's oh. gray. It's teasing terrain, but it's 21 degrees, which is actually quite lovely. And this whole past week's been like 24 up to 28 degrees. What's going on? It's summertime. Got me inside. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about it. It's actually it's good. We're, we're getting really lucky with the weather just now. Yeah, we're just trying to protect that that fair complexion of yours. Thank you. You noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, we're super excited to have you on today. Um, we, I know there's probably a lot of listeners, not, listeners out there that aren't too familiar with um, independent bottlings. And, and so we are, you know, we're going to be picking your brain today um on that and uh and you know and pertaining to douglas slang as well so but before we do any of that uh we gotta get a little bit you know we want to want to know a little bit about you like who is Stuart baxter you know um like how how did you become part of this industry the whiskey industry like what what tell us, us a little bit about yourself yeah let's round me out let's let's do that thing <laughs> um so to kind of fully introduce myself i'm Stuart baxter i'm the global ambassador for douglas ling uh, whiskey company so, I mean, I, I've worked in hospitality for a number of years, working as a uh, sommelier, working as a bar manager and, and doing all these things. So it's, um, it's kind of just the way it started was me just paying my way through education. And that was it. It was just a kind of part-time job. And 
I fell in love with the kind of the grind and the stress and the pressure that comes with hospitality, but also mm-hmm. kind of the world of beer and wine and cocktails and the kind of the rapport and community that it creates in different parts and different cities. And it, it kind of just led on from there. So I worked as a commie smelly for a couple of months and fell deeply in love with the whole concept of nose palette finish. And then that couple of months got abruptly stopped when someone handed me, what was it? It was like a Macallan 30-year-old single cask. And it was, Ooh. okay, well, this is the most amazing thing ever. It was just, right, let's go into this world of whiskey being a stereotypical Scotsman. <laughs> and and from there, it kind of ventured in. I remember sitting down with my dad and he was like, look, I don't care what you do. You don't have to do anything exceptional, but you're going to have to figure out what you want to do eventually. And he was like, what do you love? And I was like, I love whiskey. And I was like, but that's not a viable career. You can't make money enjoying yourself and he was like, of course you can so i did the, the shivas brothers ambassador program they sent me to india for two years and um, so i lived in india for two years as the single malts ambassador for india sri lanka nepal that was a massive shock thinking i was just going to go to edinburgh but then <laughs> halfway across the world wow and then that's amazing there it went i came to douglas lane i came to douglas lane and, and i've been here for god what a year nine months i think now wow uh, coming up to through one of the most difficult years to be an international ambassador yeah um yeah it's been great fun huge learning curve as well how have you coped with not being able to travel and obviously trying to represent across the globe that must have been so difficult yeah I mean you guys have seen the same thing but it's kind of adjusting to this virtual world and the communities and the tastings that you go to zoom's such a powerful tool and for that and it's amazing as much as we all started out thinking it was just going to be a, a monologue of tastings and it turns into quite a strong community you know you do two, three tastings, and it's sometimes it's the same people that come back. You see familiar faces on different tastings, and it bridged so many gaps, and it allowed so many people from across the world to, to you know, we did a, a Tindrum Green Welly store tasting, and we had guys from Taiwan, from New York, chiming into it, and it was just nice, because that they might not have had the opportunity to come and join a live tasting or live festival, so it's yeah. it's bridged so many gaps, but at the yeah. same time, that nothing beats being at a festival and having that secret bottle underneath the table. And going, <laughs> yeah. I think awesome. we can relate to that, Pam. I think we've, we've been to some amazing tastings. We got to know some people that, you know, from the States, from Texas, like that we never would have been able to connect with if it wasn't for this pandemic. So yeah, you're right. It has bridged so many interesting gaps. It's going to be curious to see how this combines with, you know, real world tastings and now Zoom tastings, if they're going to, it's going to be working in tandem now. Um, to oh, kind yeah. of change the face of of things like this forever, which yeah, it's real. That's if there's any positive to pandemic, that's one of them, right? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a major it's a major silver lining. It's introducing you know your whiskies and that reach to so many different people. It's just the great thing about the whiskey community is just that is a community. There's no real animosity. I always say you know, within whiskey, the only people that dislike each other are the marketing departments that's it like everyone else loves each other and you know you share casks you share whiskeys and yeah. share ideas about sustainability and growth and innovation but it's just those marketing departments the one to kind of get the step up and on everyone else <laughs> uh, it is a community yeah. and everyone that drinks it enjoys it and we've done loads of panels where i've been with other independent bottlers or other whiskey makers and it's great learning and listening to with them and it's, yep. it's i just love i love what i do it's collaborative great. instead of combative <laughs> exactly yeah exactly that's wonderful. Um, just we slightly touched on Douglas Lang there. I don't know if you could just dive into a bit of background about them, just for yeah. for the listeners here, just know where they came from and all that jazz. Yeah, it's one of those ones. So Douglas Lang, not I'm sure a lot of people might not have actually heard of Douglas Lang. We've been around since 1948, but the funny thing is, I think we put our brands first. You know, like Big Pete Scallywag that we're going to go on to talk about, and that's that's kind of people are you know Douglas Lang. Like, Who? 
all right, Scallywag. Oh yeah, of course, I know Scallywag, mm-hmm. Big mm-hmm. P. Um, so Douglas Lane, we're, we've been around since 1948. And since 1948, we've been, I don't know if we're going to go into this later, but we've been bottlers and blenders. So we've been independent bottlers and blenders since 1948. But we're family run, which is also quite lovely. And I, I'll, I'll go into talk about how the cast selection works within family later. But, you know, we were started by Fred Douglas Lane, senior. Uh, that's where our name comes from. And we've got Fred Hamilton Lane, who is our chairman and owner. He's now taking a step back from the business because his daughter, Cara Lane, is our director of whiskey, third generation. And her husband, Chris Leggett, is our CEO. So it's it's very much in the family. And it's wonderful having that family-run focus. But as I said, we've been independent bottlers and blenders. I think we're going to go on to talk about later exactly what that is uh, since 1948. And then in 2019, we took over our first distillery. So we became distillers, bottlers, and blenders for the first time in our history, just in November 2019, and we're building Clutha. And I need to be really careful because I can't tell you where that is specifically oh. just yet or any of the details, but I know we're going to have three drams. And you're <laughs> um, we'll get it out. We're, we're building Clutha as well. So we're going to have a much larger distillery than we've got with Strathern that we took over in 2019. So we're, we're a, a full package now. It's bottling, blending, uh, everything, which is really, really exciting. But we're, we're a family-owned company. The focus for us is as natural as it gets, which we can talk about later on as well. And, you know, nothing added, nothing taken away. It's raw, good quality whiskey and trying to make whiskey as accessible as possible to everybody. So it's mm-hmm. all about. Seems like a lot of everyone there in the family has just a really big passion for the industry and doing yeah. it for the right reasons, you know? That's yeah, awesome. absolutely. I mean, from production to marketing, we're such a tight-knit team. You know, we work so closely with one another and understand every week, like, you know, we're all working really hard, but it's, you know, if you're not willing to kind of put your fingers in other pies and learn those skills, which is great fun, and from my opinion and everyone that, that I work with, but if you're not willing to do that, it's, it's, a, it's a fast-paced environment in Douglas Lane because we're such a small company that we get things done so quickly. You know, it's mm-hmm. nip next door and ask a question that would take maybe weeks in a much larger organization. You know, it's, it gets that question answered there and then, and then it's, it's, uh, it's nimble, it's agile, it's good. That's cool. It sounds like a really good time to be on board with them as well then. There's lots going on. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, with distilleries, it's it sounds this, right, distillery's built and ready, but when you think about it, you know, it takes three years for whiskey to become whiskey legally, and then realistically, you're looking five to ten years to have a kind of viable product from that distillery, so it's, it's such a long time, so you're looking at the development and growth for, for Douglas Lane, it's a perfect moment to be, to be with them. Lots of people are wearing many hats, I'm assuming, is that... Is yeah. That- yeah. Yeah. There's uh especially I mean during lockdown, especially I think with my role, it's you know, no longer traveling. So it's ah sure can sure can help out with this. So it was helping <laughs> with the sales team a bit more in depth and helping with the marketing team. But in all honesty, it's great having that experience because it just, you know, the, I would argue the beginning of my whiskey career, which it really is, is moving forward. It gives me such a good understanding of how production works and working, you know, with John Torrance, our head of production, and how he operates and how he sees the whiskey world that, that that is different from our head of marketing, our head of sales. You know, they all have different views of the whiskey world and how it works. And it's, yeah, you have to, especially with a company like Douglas Lane, you have to be aware of how everyone works and also help out in, in any way you can and bridge those gaps towards their job and your job. Have you gotten your hands dirty with production ever? Not yet. John, John won't let me near anything. Oh. <laughs> no. You're not trusted. We do um, we do sample checks. We do quality checks, which is quite nice. You know, if we have our independent bottlers, like Old Particular, uh, coming in, it's, you know, we do quality checks. We'll do tasting notes and make sure that they're, you know, make sure the Epicurean or Timish Beastie is, is, 
is the Epicurean or Timorous Beastie. And, but yeah, not allowed near anything just yet. <laughs> Maybe one day, right? Um, okay, so, you know, uh, we mentioned earlier that there might be some, you know, we, we do cater to a lot of whiskey newbies out there, not not just whiskey newbies, but we do have a lot of people that haven't really dived into the whiskey world too much yet. So they might be um, a little bit, um, you know, green on what, you know, independent bottling is. So, um, I, yeah, could you maybe give us a little bit of explanation? Like, what what is an independent bottler? What is it? <laughs> what are they? It's a really good question because it's one of those ones that you, you know people will pick up. You know, I've got all particulars here, which are single cast bottles. People pick them up and they go, oh, I love Glen Goyne. You know, Glen Goyne, I, I use Glen Goyne as an example. It's one of my favorite distilleries. I grew up next to it. I've, I've told you guys before. And um, I use it as an example because it it's my local distillery, let's say. But, you know, people pick up and they know, you know, I know Glen Goyne so intimately. You know, I've, I've drank it for such a long period of time. And my granddad, my dad have all kind of collected bottles of Glen Goyne. And, it's funny, you know, it's, they're very sherry focused, let's say, you know, they have done releases in the past, but it's, it's funny when I tasted my first single cask independent bottle or bottling of Glengoyne, it was a bourbon cask. I tasted it. I was almost disappointed because it's not the Glengoyne that I know, but then you're kind of whiskey geek kicks in and you're like, this is, this is really tasty. It's loads of vanilla. It's really sweet. There's a little bit kind of fresh green apple. You can taste arguably more than you mix spirit because it's not as an intense sherry aged. And it's that, brilliant way to be able to see a completely different side of a distillery that you know so intimately um, you know you, you, you know big fan big fan of Bunahaven of Ardbeg and whatever you get to see these distillers that everyone will have their favorite and know really intimately their commercial bottles and what an independent bottle or just one aspect an independent bottle offers is a completely different face to those commercial bottlings that you know so well so th- that's what we're doing and I think with Douglas Lane what makes us unique or, or more unique is that instead of purchasing ready aged cask stock, what we do is we take the individual new mixed spirit, so the, the DNA, the bloodline of these distilleries and introduce it into casks that we've deliberately selected for that new mixed spirit. Because every new mixed spirit is different. And that's what makes whiskeys unique and single, single distilleries unique. So we introduce it into our wood policy. So we age up the stock and then we sell it on from there. So the reason that we did that is that we wanted to have a, we had wanted to have a creative energy with it as well. We didn't want to just purchase a cask and sell it on. We actually wanted to do, go through the maturation process, see how it aged and whether we wanted that to be a single cask. Or we think, you know what, that's got a great chocolatey quality. Let's put that into Scallywag. Let's put that into our blended malt. Uh, yeah, I remember just growing up, um, well, not growing up, <laughs> but when I first started getting to whiskey, um, seeing, yeah, these bottles with like, oh, it says Lafroy 18 on here in, in tiny little writings like what what is this is this from Wilfroy? like and i was always yeah. so very confused and, and uh yeah and i it's it's um i think a lot of people might be in the same spot not really knowing what that means but yeah it, that's that's really cool um yeah. so like for the distilleries um like what are some reasons that they would want to sell their casks as well like extra income i'm assuming or like differences within that barrel that's not consistent with their product line what would you what do you think there yeah because it's a really good question and the way that you phrase the end that you know it's not consistent with their product line is is definitely uh, going to be an element but the, i would argue the first and foremost is cash flow you know it's a great way for them to make quick bucks as you say you know it, and let's let's not you know i don't think it's taking away from the romance the romance still sits there because all of a sudden an independent bottler's getting that wonderful cask that for whatever reason that we'll go on to talk about and then it gets it still sees the public eye which is really lovely to see 
Um, so the first thing is, yeah, I would, I would argue the first thing is probably cash flow. It might not be cash flow, but I would argue probably the majority of them will be. So it's an, you know, sell, sell a gas, immediate cash is injected into the business, nice and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that I'll touch on that you said was that kind of consistent with their bottlings, because that's the thing, you know, when you look at Lefroy, Glengoyne, they've got their core bottlings, their commercial bottling that we all know really well. But you're right, if something doesn't go in the direction that they want it to, and they're like, you know what, we can't, because no, no, no whiskey will really put something in that doesn't work for the sake of putting it in. There's other avenues that they can explore, whether it's independent bottlers or their blends in their portfolio that they can include it within that has a different flavor profile. But you're right, if something doesn't work and you go, you know what, Fred Lang might love this. Fred and Caroline might love this. Let's see if they, they want to take this off our hands or another, you know, Gordon McPhail or whoever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so there's absolutely that. The other thing is, is that with trusted independent bottlers at Douglas Lane, we definitely are, as well as Gordon McPhail and other ones that I've mentioned. This, there's, there's almost this free advertising element where it's, you know, I've got a Port Dundas to close the still, it's a terrible example, but, you know, I've got the Freud 18 that we mentioned or Buna um, Haven or whoever it may be. There's also this, oh, wow, you know, this is a great bottling from Douglas Lane of a Buna Haven 30 that I've got sitting <laughs> next to oh, me as well, wow. actually. And um, this is a great bottling of Buna Haven 30. It's fantastic. Let's see what else Buna Haven has. Yeah. You know, there, there is that element to it. So it's, and as we, we've mentioned, we've talked in, before uh, we started recording as well is that you know it's it's testament to the quality produced by distillery because single casts are such a raw face to these distilleries it's not single malts are technically blended single cask is an individual cask from that distillery so it's it's testament to the new mix spirit they create and then in our case we're taking these casts and nurturing them showing them um, what we can do from a maturation point of view and, and what we offer as an independent bottler yeah well, you you touched upon uh, you mentioned briefly there about um, just the quality level of quality that comes from maybe these casts, it, like just for those laymen's out there. That sounds really bad. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> change, change, change your phrase quickly. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, uh, so th- yeah, this is another kind of general question. Um, just for independent bottlings, um, would, does that mean that they have the same level of quality? Can we expect the same level of quality than the ones that are released directly from the distillery? Or yeah, so like, can you touch upon the quality or maybe some people's concerns on on that if they don't know much about it? Yeah, I think this it's a great question as well. But absolutely, you can guarantee the same level of quality, and it, it's not it's not even a point of saying like more so or less so. It's whiskey like anything that we eat or drink is subjective you know it's and the great thing about independent single casks we were talking about how i've only got like a tiny bit left in this ben nevis is because i know i'll never taste that ever again because it's never going to exist ever again because it came from one individual cask and that's what makes whiskey and cask specifically single casks that's what makes them so wonderful is that they'll never taste them again but regarding quality the new mixed spirits coming from each of these individual distilleries and new mix spirit, modern day, in I would argue 95 plus percent of distilleries in Scotland is controlled by computers. And that's not a bad thing. That's that creates such a consistency that because when it goes into a cask, that develops about 75 percent, there's argument whether it's two-thirds, 75 percent of the flavor of that final product. So you can't control casks. As soon as we go into that cask, it's you know, fingers crossed, you know, over experience, we can, we know that a bourbon's cask is going to give us this flavor. So if it's a first fill bourbon and Talisker's new mix spirits going into it, then we can expect this after five years. We can expect this after 10 years. And the flavor profile will always be the same, but specifically will dramatically change. So it's, I think it's 
maybe quality is maybe not the right word. It's mm -hmm. the the variance will be a bit more dramatic, I would argue, with single casks as opposed to single malts, because single malts are technically blended. You know, that's what you're doing. But that's what makes single casks so wonderful is that you can you know the profile is going to be this specific way. But what surprises does that hat bottle have for you? And that's what makes single cast such a an exciting category. And I would argue they're almost a completely different category to single malt because they are single cast. Yeah. So quality is always going to be consistent. I mean, we talked about earlier Lefroy Bunhaven, they're not going to put, allow their name to be used unless the quality is trusted from these independent bottlers as well. It's another major factor. Right. Yeah. That makes, yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. I just, I'm thinking of maybe, you know, people like, oh, like just distilleries are giving all the, the their, you know, selling their, their casks that they don't want for maybe, mm. oh, it just doesn't taste good mm -hmm. for some reason, even though that's a very simple way of kind of thinking about it, but that's just not the case at all. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. And, and the great thing is like, once you've sold the cask to an independent bottler, it's theirs, you know, and if, for example, it wasn't, you know, they weren't producing the the notes that they wanted or or whatever, that that independent bottler can go, you know what? Yeah, that, that's got some unusual notes in it. So why don't we transfer it into uh, Oloroso Sherry Cask and let's see how that changes over the next five years. And then in five years' time, it's, this is absolutely amazing. Let's get this bottled and, and you know, write the story of what we did and talked about. And, and it becomes a selling point as well. That's awesome. I like the thought that, there's so many that are totally unique coming out of this um, this process. Um, and I don't think a lot of people realise that. Um, so like if we were uh, trying to convince some people like to try and maybe choose an independent bottle, what are some of the other reasons that you would say to them? Exploration, I think, is probably the biggest thing is just, you know, expand, not expanding your palate, but just, you know, it's a difficult thing. You know, we were talked about earlier how it's, you know, single cask whiskies, single cask bottlings are arguably for your more initiated whiskey drinkers. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't want anyone shying away from, you know, that that, end, that single cask bottling that they've been eyeing up in the shop for, you know, oh, should I get it? Should I not? Try it. You know, at the end of the day, if you're a, a big Laphroaig fan, let's use Laphroaig as an example. It's a very specific, unique spirit. Obviously, the level of cut that they do in capturing their phenols. You know, if you're a big Laphroaig fan and you see Laphroaig and you're a big sherry cask fan or a urban cast fan and you see a Lefroy that's in one of those casts pick it up try it because I guarantee you there'll be there'll be elements to it that you'll absolutely love and um, as much as it's a raw product there will be elements you absolutely love and I think I think single cast they'll have this you know barrier of entry where people just don't want to pick up because you know, maybe it's, it's a bit pricey and they're not sure if they're going to like it you know at the end of the day it's all about exploration you'll never know until you try it and it's all, I think it's all about exploration and understanding what you like, what you don't like. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what whiskey is. If there was one whiskey we all loved, there'd be one whiskey in the shelf. And what a boring, boring mm -hmm. world that yeah. would be. The whole idea is that it gives you options. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just... Um, it's one of the things too, like I'm so glad to have you on again, like I mentioned, just because I, I too, I think have almost fallen victim of, 
of not maybe always choosing an independent bottling over a, over a, a a brand I recognize on the shelf because yeah. I, I'm unaware of maybe you know what it is or I'm a little bit scared of of purchasing something um, that I'm not sure what it's going to be like. But um, the way you describe it, it's just like so exciting having this something so unique and rare and to taste like even like more like the essence of the distillery through the single cast than even their products like based on you know what I mean. It's like it's uh, there's so much to to uh like to experience with single with these uh independent bottling so um i think i'm definitely i'm i'm gonna have to pick up some more um you've already convinced me and we're not even done (laughs) (laughs) three questions i'm like i I gotta go (laughs) yeah um oh go ahead oh no no i was gonna say the way the way you kind of touched on it there is this kind of truer expression of the distillery i i I get that because the the one example the analogy I like to use and I think it works quite well is that every distillery has a unique new mix spirit so I always like to look at it as the bloodline of that distillery so you know Talisker has a unique bloodline you know maybe Talisker's got ginger hair and blue eyes you know that's going to span into all their casks right so it's going to be that kind of salty maritime flavor you know Glen Goyne family Glen Goyne new mix spirit has a unique new mix spirit you know maybe they've got dark brown eyes and whatever you know each cask takes that family bloodline because it's new mixed spirit. It's clear like water that goes into all these different casks. And each of those casks then become family members like your own family, you know, whether it's your uncle, your auntie, your, your cousins, your mum, your dad, whoever it may be. So you can, you've got individual characters of this exact same bloodline. And if you bring them all together in one room or blend them all together, that's still single malt whiskey because it's single distillery and malted barley. But if you take one cask away, and that becomes one individual bourbon cask or one individual hogshead or your auntie, your uncle, your cousin or whoever. That's all of a sudden one character to that whiskey, to that distillery. Yeah. And I think I, that analogy, I think, works quite well because it's, it's true. It's, it's a completely different voice and opinion of that distillery, but it's such a raw individual as soon as you bring all that family together you're like holy crap it's the <laughs> coming you know it's the talisker's coming it's- yeah exactly that's a great analogy did you, you just you didn't just come up with that now did you No, i wrote it down earlier like- oh that's it's, it's brilliant that's brilliant i was gonna say you look at him go um when it comes to independent bottlers and bottlings um is it true that they're usually they usually keep it cast strength non-chill filtered um, and because of that and all the other reasons you mentioned, do you think they unintentionally are just catering to whiskey nerds? Do you think that's, do you think they, they, they want to be kind of more exclusive and rare, even though they, it's kind of in the nature of how it's made, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think, I think there's a huge amount of element of truth in that. And I think, yeah, you know, I think you're completely right. It is, it's giving, I mean, our, our ethos at Douglas Lane, I'll start with that. I'll go on Billy Connolly tangents. I think I've already mentioned that. Like I will go on a tangent and then come back to the point, but it's all, it's all relevant. It's all We've relevant. got time for Billy Connolly. Don't worry. Any day. So, so um, you know, Douglas Lane, what we do, and, and this goes for a number of other independent bottlers is as natural as it gets. So we don't add or take anything away. So everything that we do is either high or natural cast strength. So one of the two, um, no caramel coloring, the natural color in all the whiskeys that we produce from all particular provenance to our remarkable regional malts. And it's uh, non-chill filtered. So meaning all those lovely fatty acids and proteins that naturally occur in whiskey go through to the final liquid. So I would argue that from more specifically a strength point of view, I think anyone that is, I'll use your uh, your phrasing, layman, whiskey drinker, <laughs> I'm only joking. But like anyone who's a up and coming whiskey connoisseur or whiskey drinker who just loves whiskey and getting into, I think it, the first thing we all look at is ABV and go, oh, that's maybe a bit strong for me. And again, I would... Don't I wouldn't let that discourage anyone from picking up a bottle of whiskey because 
don't be afraid to add water. If you want to add water, that's the reason that Douglas Lang and other independent bottlers that do cast strength or high strength is that allows you to dictate how you drink the whiskey. If you get 40% bottling, as soon as you add water, you're bringing it way down to arguably no longer whiskey technically. Mm -hmm. But if you want to add water, add water. You know, it's we're allowed, we're offering the the opportunity to the whiskey drinker, the consumer to choose to drink that whiskey in any way they want. Add ice, add water, throw in a cocktail, you do what you want, it's your whiskey at the end of the day. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but I, I I think I agree it's it's probably for your more whiskey geeks. But again, please I don't want that to discourage anyone from picking up a bottle and going, I'm gonna add a little bit of water to this because I think it needs it. Yeah, you know, exactly. Me and my dad, me and my dad were drinking cash strength whiskey last night when I was up at his house. He tricked me. I was up at his house helping him move a bunch of stuff in the garden. <laughs> love you, love you, Dad. Uh, <laughs> but we were drinking cash strength and we're like, yeah, I need a bit of water. And we're adding a good bit of water to, you know, 58, 60% whiskeys because 60, 60% is a lot. That's right? a lot. You know, you take a sip and try it and then add the water a good bit. And, right, that's great. That's, that's exactly how I like it. Exactly. Yeah. We're all about just drink it however you want to um, and yeah. just enjoy it. Um, and I think what you mentioned there as well, like about whiskey newbies, maybe I think I think the thing is it's just unlocking that next level of information on whiskey, right? That it's something that not everybody knows about yet. But obviously this episode's a great place to start to hear a bit more about independent bottlers and kind of start to understand there's there's more to it than just the the brands you see in the shelf and you're you've been trained to trust those brands, right? But mm-hmm. Maybe just break yeah, and, that. And, and that's absolutely it. And you know, regarding the price point as well, we've got all particulars in front of us that are kind of mid price point. You know, you're looking kind of eighty to, you know, some that are hundred and fifty GBP. Um, but we've got Provenance and Premier Barrel that are normally younger, but they're you can pick them up for about forty pounds GBP. Um, you know, it's a single cast bottling for that amount of money, and I think everyone also looks at age and they think, oh, it's young, it's not going to be good. And mm-hmm. it's like, that's rubbish. You know, it's. The great thing about it is a young whiskey that's been matured well by any company, whether it was purchased from the distillery or in Douglas Lake's case, we've aged it ourselves. If it's done properly, tasting the new mixed spirit is actually a lovely thing. Look at Dal Yuen has a lovely, like meaty, almost salty charcuterie new mixed spirit. So sherry and bourbon affect that differently. And if you take, say, Talisker at eight years old, seven years old, it's got this lovely salty, maritime, oceanic new mixed spirit. And that'll come through more in bourbon and then be kind of shallowed and moodier and sherry, even at that age. So it's, as you say, you, you absolutely nailed it in the head there is that it's, it's the education side of things. It's just understanding how whiskey works and flows and matures. And it's great. It's great fun. Mm-hmm. Well, what you said there as well, it's like, it might be fair to say that independent bottlers are kind of underrated when people don't really know the ins and outs of it. Like we've just spoken so much um, goes into making them. Um, I don't know, do you think they like that way or, you know, that they don't get the full spotlight, that they're kind of like secret secret stash stuff? It is kind of secret stash stuff, isn't it? Because, you know, we, it, you know, commercial bottlings are always going to get limelight because the, the funny thing is, you know, I've got the Ben Nevis in front of me. We can't shout and scream and put like loads of advertising funding in behind this Ben Nevis 18 because there's only how many 248 bottles of it in existence so we can't you know put huge marketing budgets behind this because it will never exist again so right. the, the brand is old particular and it's a ben nevis 18 from old particular if that makes sense and, and i think the i think it's right how it sits just now is that 
you know, Glenn Goyne and McAllen and Glenn Farkless, they, they should be shouted about. And the great thing is, is that when people, you know, they fall in love with these different whiskies and they should fall in love with these different whiskies, then they go, right, I've tried all the commercial bottlings. I've tried the, the distillery exclusives. What is this? What is this old particular Dalmore? Let's, let's try this. Let's see a different side of this distillery that I love so much. And that's where it becomes a bit more adventurous. I think, yeah, we don't, we don't get a limelight, but I think that's also the right way um, it should be done because it is that exploring and you know, trying new things element to, to single cast. It's a if you know, you know kind of thing. Yeah, but I would also like to see people just take that chance, you know, walk into their local mm-hmm. whiskey shop and go, yeah, you know what, I, I do love this distillery. I'm going to pick up that, that eight-year-old, that 15-year-old because I've just been eyeing it up for ages because you know what? It's not going to be there for long because yeah. there's only X amount of bottles that have ever existed in the world of that liquid in that bottle. <laughs> and it's just another question too, like when, when, when people, when these dis, uh, independent bottlers get these casks, like, is there ever a plan in place? Are they like looking like we want to get uh, some, something from this distillery, one agent in this, or does it just kind of happen like organically? Like, is there a lot of room for like experimentation? Like how do they, how do they figure out what to do? Is it just like, yeah, it's, it, it's a great question because it is, it's so, you know, we've, and I like commercial bottlings. It's, we've got a spec list. You know, we've got, for example, our blended malts like Scallywag, and we're going to go on to talk about them. We have a, it's not a recipe. It's more of a, these cask types, whether it's first fills, second fills, heavily charred, lightly charred from these distilleries, these new mixed spirits, we know that this is going to give Scallywag, you know, it's 75% although also 25% bourbon cask. We know this is going to give Scallywag. Mm-hmm. But of course, the great and what makes blending such an art form is that casks change. They're like temperamental children. It's just right. You're, you were you were aging fine six months ago, and now you've completely changed your tune. So all of a sudden, you know, a cask that you're right. We do we do have plans for them. It's okay. We've put this talisman mix spirit in this bourbon cask. We're going to probably bottle this at nine, ten years old as a single cask, old particular. Oh wait a minute, this has completely changed. This is it's got this lovely it's overly maritime, you know, it's, that would work beautifully in Rock Island or Island blended malt. You know, you know what? Yeah. Let's sideline that. Let's use that for Rock Island. And all of a sudden a cast that we had pegged from Speyside that was going to be in Scallywag is, this is stunning. This deserves to be seen as a, as a single cast bottle. So, so you have those variants, but then beyond that, it's, oh, this cask isn't aging the way we want it to. This needs more sweetness. And I've got a bottle here of the Epicurean, which we did a wood series on. And we finish that in dessert wine casks. So it's, oh, this Epicurean is more darker and moodier than we wanted it to be. We wanted it to be more fresh and citric. So you're like, let's let's be a bit more innovative. Let's try something. So we put it in dessert wine casks to finish it off. And that's what I love about Douglas Lane is that we've got our traditional bottlings. You know, it's even the core, we've got funny mice and stuff on it, but they're traditional Highland bottlings. And then beyond that, it's like, Willy Wonka's whiskey factory. It's yeah. just <laughs> that sounds like throw this so in much. here. Let's do that, and it's it's great fun. That sounds like the most fun. I would just oh just just to figure out like ah oh, let's throw it in here and see what happens, and like oh yeah. this is great. All the non this is not working quite well. Let's try this now. It's yeah that's that's like that's like my dream to like work and do that kind of stuff. It sounds amazing. <laughs> We've done an episode before where we spoke a, a little bit about blending and it was really popular. People loved it because um, I feel like blending also gets kind of a bad rap sometimes from people. But um, 
I mean, I think it's something like 90% in the Scotch category, 90% is blended whiskey that's sold. So a lot of people are drinking it and it's like an important part of of the whiskey that's on our shelves. Um, And then you mentioned the five categories of Scotch whiskey that uh, we're going to maybe explain today. If you want to lead into that, that'd be awesome. Yeah, so the five categories are... First of all, they're dictated by the SWA, the so Scotch Whiskey Authority, um, who who control everything that the Scotch whiskey industry does, which in, in a, is a really good thing for us because it it doesn't allow us to go crazy with loads of casks. You know, they they allow us to age in different casks. They dictate the laws of you know forty percent minimum three years in oak, seven hundred liters or less, blah, blah blah blah. But they also fight legal battles across the world. So the, the five categories are 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 set down by them. And if you make whiskey in Scotland, it has to fall under one of these categories. For example, you can't technically make bourbon in Scotland. You can make bourbon to the exact same specs, but it wouldn't legally be allowed to call bourbon. It would have to fall under a specific category, whether that be single grain, blended grain, uh, whatever. Well, I'll talk them through. So normally I have a lovely infographic that I present, mm-hmm. but this is a podcast. We're going to do it very differently. Describe so the way, I like to, the way I like to do it is the two parents. So if you imagine you've got two parents, big circles, and then you've got one circle, single malt, and one circle is single grain. So you've got your, your two parents either side. And underneath, you've got three children. So when we talked about that 80%, 85%, 90% market share, that's specifically blended scotch, which is one category. So single malt means single, one distillery. Single always means one distillery. And malt means it's been used, it's used barley. That's it. Single grain is single distillery. And grain meaning anything that's not barley. So commonly wheat corn, rye, maize. So that's your, your two parents, single malt and single grain. Directly underneath single grain, you've got blended grain. So blended only ever means two or more distilleries. That's it. More commonly more, but two or more distilleries. You can't use just one. And of course, grain is anything that's not barley. So that's underneath single grain. Underneath single malt, blended malt which we're going to go on to taste in a second but that's blended two or more distilleries and only contains malted barley so allowing you to have the same characteristics of single malt but like a kid in a candy shop you pick from different distilleries across scotland whether it's i keep using talisker glengoyne but i, I don't know why they jumped to the head <laughs> talisker glengoyne glenfarclas um bowmore kalila all these different distilleries and that's what allows you to do but maintain that malt flavor and then the big fat baby in the middle, which <laughs> blended Scotch ambassadors hate me calling it, but the big fat baby, and the reason I'm calling it the big fat baby is that 85, 90% market share. That's mm-hmm. blended Scotch. So that's single malt, one parent, and single grain together into blended Scotch. And that's where we find White Mackay, Bells, Famous Grouse, um, Johnny Walker falls onto that category as well. And that's the only category that both contains grain and malt whiskey. So I think people look at blended and they immediately see this inferiority concept. You know, they think it's it's reverse whiskey and that's absolutely not the case. It's a completely different category. It contains different things and has different flavors. And um, and, and that's exactly what what blended whiskey is. You've actually got three types of blended whiskey. You've got blended malt, blended scotch, and blended grain. And examples of those are blended malt. You've got, you know, ourselves, Big Pete, Timber Species, Scallywag, going into Compass Box, who do amazing blended malt. You've got uh, the Pete Monster, um, and then blended grain. The only blended grain I can think of is Hedonism, 
by Compass Box mm-hmm. as well. Really, really lovely whiskey. And then, as I said, blended scotch, Johnny Walker, Chevis Regal, Ballantines, all these, these different ones. And I think everyone sees blended because you can produce in such high volumes with blends, because obviously blended scotch, you're pulling from all these different distilleries, grain and malt. Blended malt, you can pull from multiple malt distilleries. Single malt, you can only pull from one malt distillery. So obviously the more volume you can create, the cheaper you can make that whiskey. But that does not mean that blended scotch, blended malt or blended grain is bad or worse whiskey. That's absolutely not the case. It comes down to the blender and the art form that truly is blending. If you've got a bad blender, which you really don't, I promise you, you really don't in Scotch whiskey or or across the world, you're going to have a bad whiskey. But the majority of the time, it's going to be a good blender that will never release stock unless it's quality approved by a number of other people and going out into market. They'll never send anything out to market that they don't like. And that's a long-winded explanation with a lot of details, but I hope it was kind of easy to, to follow. Yeah, no, I that that completely makes sense, and you know, you heard it, you heard it here, guys. Don't be scared. Don't be scared of the blends. Yeah, no, I think that was really good. I like how you used another analogy of family tree. That was good. Uh, yeah, because when you think about like the skills and process that goes into making it, it takes such a long time. It is an art form in its own. Yeah. Um, yes, and we have three beautiful examples of it right here. Yep. Yeah. And also, and also I think we'll post um, a, like an infographic. We'll, we'll have a, a link to that in our description as well. Uh, so if everyone wants to get a visual representation of what you talked about, Stu, it'll be, we'll have it. We'll have it there. I can send you one. Oh, that's great. One. Perfect. Awesome. Is it your just hand drawn, Stuart? It is. Yeah. It's really awful. <laughs> is the big yeah, fat baby? Is there a big fat baby in there? Just a giant fat baby that's like playing with Scotch. Great. That's exactly what I want to see. Okay. Oh, he's so cute. <laughs> I'm going to have to change it again. <laughs> it's a Google search that I don't want to make, but I'm going to do it. Okay, so yeah, I guess that'll lead into um, our next segment where we're going to try some of some uh, blended malts um, yes. from Douglas Lang. I've been, I've already, I'm not going to lie, I've already had a, a whole ounce of one of them, but you got to get warmed up. It's, it is Sunday at 10 a.m. after all for us, for me and Pam, right? <laughs> exactly. I know. Um, but yeah, so this next segment we like to call the Thirst Impressions. Okay, I'm excited to try this. So the first whiskey we're going to have is a Timorous Beastie. Stuart, thanks so much for sending us these over. Um, Obviously, the name Timorous Beastie rings a bell to me. Um, Is there a wee story behind the name or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier, like, we want to make whiskey as accessible as possible. And uh, I think think we do that really well with the remarkable regional malts, the branding behind it. So Timorous Beastie is probably... The cutest skywaggle. Well, actually, Big Pete might give it a run for money. <laughs> that handsome guy. Nice, um, Timorous Beastie is probably the, the cutest. So it's a cute little field mouse, and it's the same field mouse that scared Ravi Burns in his poem to a mouse. So it's wee sleek at Kur and Timorous Beastie. What a panics in Night Beastie. Uh, so it's the same one that, that scared Ravi Burns when he's plowing his field. And uh, that's why it was it was an ode to the bard and his wit. And that's why we chose Timorous Beastie. Um, but the, the funny thing is, you know, it's it's timorous by name, not by nature. This is a bold flavored whiskey. So it's forty six point eight percent alcohol by volume. That's high strength, not cask strength. So forty six point eight percent. The average age on the three whiskeys that we're going to taste as well is about eight years old, roughly. But they're all non age statements. So we don't state the age, but they're all roughly eight years old. Okay. Um, but timorous beastie is our Highland 
I always emphasize the H because many people go, oh, so you're Island, no, no, Highland, Highland blended malt whiskey. So we take only single cask, single malts from the Highlands of Scotland. And the reason that we do that is with the Remarkable Regional Malts as a group, we actually have six of them, even though there's five whiskey making regions for those of you that are big whiskey geeks and know that and will no doubt put it in the comments. But we do six because we feel that Ireland should be represented with Rock Island. But the idea behind the Remarkable Regional Malts, the core Remarkable Regional Malts, is to give people the traditional flavour profile of each of those regions. So that when they approach it, they go, well, that's a classic Highland style. That's a classic Isla flavour profile. And that, that's what we do with the Remarkable Regional Malts. So Timber Species is our Highland blended malt. So it contains single cast single malts from Glengoyne, Glengarry, Blair Athol, and Dalmore going into every single bottle of Timber Beastie core 10 and all of them 18 all the way up oh wonderful i love and your 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 favorite glenn going uh, yeah i know i know I'm very biased <laughs> i grew up next to it I'm, i've driven past that a thousand times i'm very biased it's one of my favorites too i think the 21 year olds one of my all-time go-tos just on a side great. note it's great um okay but before so before we taste this we have to do our our classic cork pop so i'll do one here I don't know if anyone wants to kick in here. I don't know, Stu, if you have a bottle. Let's see. Yeah, go on. That was all right. Oh, oh, Pam, whose was better? <laughs> I think Stuart's was better. Okay, we'll give it. We'll give it to. We'll give it to the. We'll give it, give it to the new guy. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm sad thanks. I can't play this game. No hazing. <laughs> yeah, for uh, we're, we're gonna put the post what Pam looks like right now. She's literally in a in a in a fort. She made herself a fort for her sound. She's committing to a good sound. So thank yeah. you, Pam. Yep, you're welcome. Okay, so I, I poured <laughs> myself some little timorous beastie here. Okay, let's uh let's let's dive in. Let's do it. So the, the two words I think we we've broken all the remarkable malts into kind of two words and uh, which is which is difficult to do, but we've we've broken timorous beastie down into sweet and vanilla. So this is a hundred percent bourbon cask aged, hundred percent predominantly second filled bourbon. So obviously loads of vanilla flavors in this. And the first thing I think I notice on it is how kind of sticky honey almost like chewy caramel it is in the nose. Now, the wonderful thing about whiskey is that everything that I'm saying is subjective, right? This is, and even on the bottle, I don't, everyone kind of, especially if anyone's like a whiskey newbie, whenever someone, you know, a whiskey tasting, I love that you guys have done that. Like what to say at a whiskey tasting. <laughs> I love them because <laughs> so many people that I've hosted whiskey tastings with and they're, you can see that they're just new to whiskey. And they're not sure what to say. See what you're saying is absolutely the right thing to say. Never, ever be afraid of seeing a tasting note because a good host will always point out that it's subjective. Yeah. The only time you might ever be wrong in a tasting note ever would be if you said something is peated when it's not actively peated. However, you can still get a smoky note in a whiskey because you char casks heavily. So if you've got a heavily charred cask, you can still get a smoky note in it. But peat and smoke are obviously two different things. But people have said in tasting notes, oh, it's really peaty. And I'm like, it's actually, there's no peat in this. It's, yeah. you know, it could be a really heavily charred cast. So that's probably what you're picking up on. So never be afraid of throwing out tasting notes because yeah. the wilder, the better. You'll always get a good laugh. I've had caramelized kiwi for a tasting note and I thought it was caramelized the best. Caramelized kiwi? Great. Have you ever had to try caramelized kiwi? No. I've never had <laughs> but I the idea that. is it's subjective. So it's always, I find it always interesting to get your guys tasting notes anyone's tasting notes and and see what you get from it but for yeah. us it's sweet and vanilla heavily vanilla obviously from bourbon casks and it's the sticky honey toffee fudge that, that we get from it 
Yeah. Because like people have to remember, there's not actually vanilla in here. There's not actually yeah. honey. It's all just flavor compounds from the wood, the oak, that, that, that come across that way. So yeah, that's why exactly. It's all subjective. But yeah, I it's a very, very sweet nose for sure. Like vanilla, that is 100% what I, what I smell on this one. Yeah, I get the honey. Oh, it's I just get I just get like yeah, vanilla all the way. Mm. But it's a really light color as well, which you'll notice. Yeah. And uh, that's because there's no caramel coloring. It's natural color from the cask. And again, going back to Douglas Lane's ethos of as natural as it gets, that's what it's all about. But you know, when we see light whiskies, and we're all guilty, we eat, we eat with our eyes. Of course we eat with our eyes. And we look at something, I think whiskey's probably gets the rough end of this. We see something dark and we assume that it's going to be xyz mm -hmm. when we see something this light you assume it's maybe going to be thin it's maybe yeah. going to be quite you know not that flavorful but if you swirl it around the glass and look at the tears the tails the legs whatever you want to call them it's a viscous sticky yeah. whiskey yeah it's i mean you guys legs. already had a taste of it it clings to your teeth you know it's mm. it's, it's heavy it's yeah. dense no it's it's packed with flavor like you my like it's uh this is really really brilliant like i it's wow I think it's kind of like um, the sauce you get with sticky toffee pudding. Nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. It's that really sweet, but also kind of creamy. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I think if you put this in like, you know, blacked out glasses, you would probably say this is a lot darker than it actually is. Yeah. You know, and yeah. It, it, it's great to kind of, you know, the way I see it is like kind of pulling the veil off and just seeing natural whiskey you know actually i you know go into our sample room at douglas house and get to pick up sample bottles and hide the cover and and use my limited whiskey knowledge and be like this is a i think this is a first fill bourbon in a heavily charred cast because of the color but there's so much flavor coming through in it and, and have a guess at what you think it is and then find out you've got it completely wrong but it's <laughs> it's nice to be able to use and, and guess and analyze and test your knowledge on on natural natural colored whiskeys yeah I can't get over the nose though. It's such a lovely mm -hmm. nose, especially. I mean, it's like forty six eight, which I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it, it and it's uh, it's I don't know. It, it's it doesn't almost smell like it would be. It's not very. It doesn't really burn the nostrils when you drink it, or when you smell it. It's very. It's very like. It's very easy to smell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, and the, the reason. Oh, sorry, you go. No, I was going to say I drank it really quickly um, by accident, but when I go back and smell the glass, it's very floral in the in the glass yeah i think it's um cara who talks about like the heather that comes through in it there's this kind mm. of wild flower heather that comes into it i can totally get that mm. but it's funny you know that we, we touched on that percentage wise and, and i don't think i mentioned it earlier the reason that we do higher cash strength is because alcohol carries flavor really really well and, and i used kind of aftershaves and perfumes as an example the reason that they're alcohol based is because they carry the flavor really really well and there's, it depends on cask type, first fill, second fill, third fill, how long it's been aged for. But you can push grains, for example, up to 58, 60% um, plus sometimes. And yes, the alcohol is a bit of a bite, but it still carries flavor really, really well. Whereas if you have a very, you know, like a refill hogshead, you wouldn't want to push that beyond 48, 50% max mm -hmm. because the alcohol would dominate too much of the flavor that's in it. Yeah. So it depends on cask type, but Dave Broom wrote about the, the famous whiskey writer. He wrote about 46, 48% optimum for your average whiskey, which is, is completely right in saying um, because it carries flavor without dominating it with the ethanol. Mm -hmm. um, and and he's, he's probably absolutely bang on with that 46, 48%. Obviously, if you've got a first fill Pedro Jimenez sherry butt, 
and you age it for 20 years, you can push that alcohol way up because there's yeah. so many intense flavors coming into it as opposed to third fill hogshead. It's, you know, it's not going to give as much, but you still want those lovely flavors that come in it. You could probably drop the alcohol down to make sure it still shines with flavor. I'm sorry, this is like, I don't know if I'll put this in there, but I have a, just in general though, like if you age something for like 40 years in a big sherry cast, like uh, where, what would the, I wonder what the starting point would have to be because doesn't, doesn't like the ethanol just like deplete over time. Is it, is it a considerable amount? Do you, would you know? Yeah, it is. And again, it depends on the cast size because the more yeah. cast contact, the faster the aging process, the faster the angels share everything, you know, it speeds mm. up. Yeah. So I think, oh God, I want to make sure I got this right. To the top of my head, I haven't looked. I was actually meant to look at this last week, the ABV drop. I think it's roughly the same as like 1.5% or something per year. Oh, okay. And then it slows down as well because obviously... You know, everyone talks about two percent angel share, and yes, the first year will be two percent, but then the next year is going to be one point nine nine eight seven six, and then mm-hmm. as the volume goes down, there's less contact with wood, there's less evaporation. So, for example, a fifty-year-old whiskey, the whiskey is still going to be there. It's not as if a hundred percent of it's gone by that point. Two yeah. percent. So the same with the alcohol; it still slows down over years. So, depends how the cask reacts with it, the size of cask is it again first fill, second fill. How deeply has it been charred when it's been filled and yeah. yeah how you know was the cooper drunk that day when he made that cast <laughs> all these things gonna come into play um uh, okay so i think we should get into the next our next um dram the skylywag which is a spaceside blended malt this time so uh yeah. let's do that let's do that make sure and it's a. Uh, I already the color is a lot different huh yeah, yeah. So Scallywag uh, was our second ever remarkable original malt. So Scallywag, I don't know if you've got, you guys have the bottle there, don't you? Uh, you the bottle? Yeah, I got a bottle. You'll see that Scallywag's missing a tooth. Oh, he is. What happened? Yeah. So Scallywag, the operative word was a real dog. Uh, Binks. So Binks actually passed away just a couple of weeks before we released Scallywag. Oh, um, R.I.P. Binks. Binks. I know, but immortalized in the bottle, which is, mm-hmm. which is quite nice. So we've had a long line of fox terriers in the Douglas Lane family. So we've now got Cooper, a very lovely dog, and Binks was the, the previous one. So Binks has been immortalized on the bottle. Um, but Binks was missing a tooth, and that's why Scallywag is missing a tooth. It wasn't a marketing flaw or a design flaw. It was missing a tooth. So very, very cute. But it was a real dog, which is quite <laughs> lovely. Did he wear a monocle um, too? Yeah, it was amazing, actually. Constant. <laughs> I thought Fred had like super good on, but like it just you know dropped out when it needed to, picked it back up, and really <laughs> impressive. What Only when it was reading. Sophisticated, <laughs> sophisticated dog right there. Um, very cool. Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful. It's a he's a cute little guy. Oh, little Binks. Um, yeah. So Scallywags are, as you said, our space side blended malt. So we take single cast single malts from only space side. Uh, but McAllen, Mortlach, and Glenn Rothis go into every single batch of Scallywag. Every single batch. And the color difference that you see, this is 46% flat ABV, 46%. And the color that you see, we our original thought with Scallywag was to do 100% sherry, but we didn't feel that that was truly representative of Speyside as a region. So our aged Scallywag, which is Scallywag 10, which is now a part of our aged range, that's 100% sherry, but this is 75% to 80% Oloroso sherry cask, and then about 20 to 25% bourbon cask aged. So that's the color that you can see. Again, natural color, but that's the color difference that you can see, especially with Timber Beast mm-hmm. and Big Teat next to it. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it's very obviously different. Um, and on the nose, right off the bat, a completely different nose as well. 
Oh yeah. Like yeah. This is two words we use to describe this is fruity and spiced. I don't know if you guys got water next to you. Uh, I have some. Yeah, I have some water. So the one the reason you know a lot of people ask me like how does water affect whiskey? Like, what does it actually do to whiskey? And and should I add water? And I always encourage people to take a sip of whiskey neat as is, and then add a little bit of water and see how it changes. But with Scallywag, if you nose it just now, for me, and again this is subjective, but for me it's kind of you know my mom used to make a Christmas cake every year, uh, and it smells like brown sugar, dried raisins, yes. um, you know, vanilla essence in a bowl, like the dry ingredients. So if you've got a little bit of water, I don't think I do have one, but if you've got a little bit of water, I do here. Chelsea, get me water. <laughs> okay, okay, hold on. I'll get you some water. So the, the reason I do this with Scallywag is just add the water, just a little bit, and then put your hand over the glass or a coaster or whatever. If you, you know, if you've put strong aftershave and perfume, I always say just a hand or a piece of paper, something to just cover the glass. Mm-hmm. So what you do is just give it a swirl while it's in the glass. And just while I'm explaining this, just keep your hand over it or a coaster, whatever you've got. Now, it doesn't look like anything's happening. It looks really, really boring, right? But there's actually a lot going on. So with high strength alcohol, the water reacts, first of all, creates an exothermic reaction, meaning we change the temperature by one or two degrees, raises it by one or two degrees. The congeners or congeners pop off. So the flavor reacts to the alcohol, becomes a bit volatile and flavor will pop off. So when we go back to this, in just a second, when you take your hand off gently and bring your nose to it, you'll feel a li- little bit of humidity. It'll be warmer in your nose. But it'll also, for me, smells like those dried ingredients have just been baked in the oven. And now you've got a fresh, gooey Christmas cake ready to eat. So just take your hand off of it gently and bring your nose to it. And you should see that humidity and the flavor is just warmer. Oh, yes. It totally is. It totally is like a cake. It's like a Christmas we cake. We baked a cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got like that orange rind as well. I think there's like... Oh, even, yes. Even maybe aniseed. I don't think it's in the forefront, but there's like... Mm. did you That's come up so did you amazing. just figure this out like how did you know that like did you just Two i just guessed actually i didn't think it was <laughs> I, like, I, hope, I hope this works <laughs> it's um it's one of those ones i use in tastings i actually I, I say to people throughout you know we start with the epicurean and timorous beastie and scallywag is usually third or always is third and i i use i usually do it with scallywag because it's a sherry cast there's more complications in there um, and it's 46%. I just find it really demonstrates the effect that water has. Now, some people add water to whiskey and they don't like it. Some people add water to that exact same whiskey and they will enjoy it. So it, it's personal preference. You know, if you want to add water or lots of ice so it doesn't dilute, it cools it down, or one ice cube so it does dilute and cools it down, it's your whiskey. You do whatever the hell you want with it. Never let anyone tell you how to drink your whiskey, yeah. ever. Preach. You enjoy it the way you want to enjoy it. It's um, your whiskey. But the scallywag, I think, is a really good example to show how water does affect whiskey. It, yeah. it does change it. It will change it. And whether that's the better for the worse, that's purely down to you as an individual. Only you will ever be able to tell if you like a whiskey or not. No one else will be able to tell you if you like a whiskey or not. Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> um, but the two words we use to describe scallywag is fruity and spiced. Um, obviously, massive influence of sherry, which I think, I think fruity and spice for me is, is absolutely perfect for this. But... Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on it? I think this is, I, I really enjoy this one. Like I'm a big anything sherry cast. I don't know if my palate's just like so biased towards that, that it's kind of what I just naturally always prefer. But um, yeah, this is this is really lovely. And I definitely am getting um, a little bit of, like a tiny bit of nuttiness too. And like a little bit of yeah. like, yeah, chocolate and spice. But yeah, no, I love this one. Um, yeah, this is this is really good. What do you think, Pam? 
actually never had this before, so I didn't really know what nice. to expect at all. Um, I like it a lot. I think it's much lighter than I was expecting it to be as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I get I like this the spice that's coming through. I think you can actually really taste sherry in general, though. Like nice. I'm making that up, but like I can, I feel like I can really taste that. Um, like almost like a tannic finish a bit, like like yeah, at the end I, there, like you're uh-huh, dr- at the end, yeah. Um, but there, I feel like there's also like kind of a, an apricot anus to it as well. Mm. It definitely is. And when you picked up on that chocolate, we do a scallywag chocolate edition. I don't know if you've seen it. <gasps> it recently, we recently released it. Uh, well, I think it was the fourth edition. But Cara Leg gets to go into all of our. It's 100 sherry cascade, but she gets to go into all of our sherry speysides casks and pick out the ones that demonstrate chocolatey sweet nutty flavors a great job so <laughs> she's, our, she's our director of whiskey she do it do what she wants but it's such a great dram so she gets to go and pick the the most chocolatey expressions of space side mm-hmm. sherried malts uh, and she 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 blends it together and she creates scallywag chocolate every single year she's like um, making a awesome. pure purebred like breeding like to go back yeah. to the dog analogy <laughs> love that but it is it's just and you know she's got such a sweet tooth as well like you any chocolates in the office it's you know she's either brought it in or, or she definitely knows it's there but she, she just loves doing it and it's a great expression i've got a sample through the house there but it's just it's like velvet milk chocolate and texture and then it is just a kind of combination of all your favorite chocolate bars with you know the nuts the nougat the caramel mm. the milk chocolate dark chocolate it's, mm. it's all there it's very rude to talk about it and not to have to drink it right now, not being able to drink it. No, I'm being rude, I know. I no, you're being so rude. How <laughs> dare you? But I'm really actually, yeah, I, I think I've had the scallywag before, but I think I'm actually appreciating it more. Um, like just the flavors are coming out after you could have it next to something else that's a little different. You can really appreciate like the flavors that are coming out of it um, mm-hmm. instead of just drinking it on its own. So it was nice to have like a point of reference, like, you know what I mean? So yeah, I know this is, I really like this one. Really yeah, I get that chocolate on the finish mm. that you were talking about. Yeah. Cool. And it's funny, like when, when we have it on without water which you know we're drinking it with water just now but we have it without water i find this you talked about that kind of sherry tannin note mm. i I, pref- I personally i prefer scallop with a little touch of water because i think it breaks those tannins down becomes a bit more velvety in texture mm-hmm. and has those milk chocolate notes because i think without water it has more of that tannic darker chocolate note and my my dad personally he loves it without water because he's he loves dark chocolate and loves that more bittery chocolate approach whereas i prefer a much more velvety milk chocolate approach to it so he much prefers it without water and i prefer it with oh i think i might i might be kind of more on your dad's you know uh yeah. team for that yeah i like cool very cool okay let's get to the big poop should we do that big poop. This is the mm-hmm. big poop. come on it's your boy big poop Okay, so our third blend we're going to be having today is Big Pete. So obviously that is the Isla blended malt. Yep. Is that correct? Um, yeah. And so is this one also similarly with the other ones typical of that Isla flavour? Yeah, so don't taste it just yet because I'm going to, there's a, a, not a surprise, there's just a, <laughs> something to focus on when we, when we sample Big Pete and I always like to, talk people through exactly what happens with Big Pete. So don't sample it just yet. We'll talk okay. about it. Just I, just I know it smell. smells really good, but... It smells great. Um, so Big Pete, first of all, he exists. This is not just Big Pete whiskey. Big Pete exists. He lives on Isla. He's a fisherman. He's a good friend of Douglas Lane. Uh, he owes me money. 
Isla. If anyone's ever on Isla, let him know that. But he is the Bigfoot of Isla. He does exist. Um, so Big Pete does exist. But he's our Isla blended malt. And the great thing I love about Big Pete is, and I, I promise I'm not just saying this, I, I'd like to think I've got a lot of honesty in me, but I'm not just saying this. Big Pete is the ultimate distillation of Isla. He captures everything that Isla is, the depth of cut of Laphroaig, giving you loads of phenols in the new make spirit. It has that sweet lemon citrus that we talked about earlier of Kalila. It's got this Bowmore richness and intensity, I would argue, and this poor L and elegance. It's, it, for me, anytime I've ever wanted a PT whiskey and I take a sip of Big P, it just scratches that itch immediately. And I never, you know, I don't think about what else is on my shelf. It, it really does. And I, I'm not just saying that. I absolutely love it. And I'm hopeful we can demonstrate that in the tasting. But Big Pete incorporates all the single cast, single malts from Isla. He's 46% and he takes in Port Ellen, original Port Ellen, oh. teaspoon, but it's in there. Frog, <laughs> Bowmore, Kalila. Uh, we do incorporate Ardbeg in there as well, um, but he is just the ultimate distillation of Isla. Two words we use to describe Big Pete is sooty and ashy. And I almost think it kind of does him a disservice because there's so much more to Big Pete than just those two words. But of course, boiling it down, that's probably more prominent tasting notes. But 46%. And what I want you to focus on is we'll go through nose, palate finish with Big Pete, but the nose for me is really clean. It's actually very organized and I always say it's not a huge amount of medicinal note. There's definitely a medicinal note in the notes, but compared to the smoke and maritime and wave-soaked rocks that we're about to get in the palate, the nose is extremely clean. Mm. There's a coastal beach fire nose on it as well. Oh yeah, I'm getting a lot of like the salty sea salt coming yeah. through there. It's really in your beer. I honestly did, and that's why I pictured myself mm-hmm. like on a yeah on a beach. So ah. Chelsea, I don't know if you know. But Pamela, you'll know Frazzles. Mm-hmm. Is there a Canadian crisps. equivalent to Frazzles? Bacon crisps? Okay. Where it's like the puffed, the puffed bacon crisp? I don't think there is any. But I mean, you have they don't have the same kind of flavours of crisps here. Don't get me don't get me started, right? <laughs> oh, here we go. This is another it's coming for Canada snack. <laughs> this is for the other podcast that you guys <laughs> Crisps. Um no, they don't have Frazzles, but it's like a yeah, it's like a bacony crisp. Chip Chelsea that um, melts in your mouth like a, it's not like pork uh, rinds or anything, no. No, not quite pork rinds. It's like no. a puffed. Yeah, I, I would also say Monster Munch, but I don't know if Monster now, Munch translates here. Now you get here. now you get like cheese puffs, how they melt in your mouth. Okay, it's like that, but bacon. But bacon. Why don't yeah. we have that? That sounds amazing. <laughs> and they're so cheap as well. Yeah, okay. they're like twenty twenty p crisps. So it's got that bacony note. But the one thing I was going to say is, so when we take this onto the palate. The one thing I want you to notice is immediately there's this kind of sweet salt smokiness. And we always talk about like a you know chimney smoke. But then in true Isla Petey fashion, it just it's like you know, the chimney spills out onto the log cabin and just burns it down. It becomes this bonfire and it builds and builds and builds <laughs> right into the corners of your mouth. And then when you finish and you you know, breathe it out, it's just peat smoke. You're breathing, it's just really delicate, sweet peat smoke. And we talked about earlier that kind of there's sweetness to it, you know, it's pushing past that as well. There's also this lemon meringue pie. It's, it, yeah, for me, it's just Isla in a glass. So when we take a sip, focus on the build. And I don't know if we're going to go weirdly quiet for a podcast. <laughs> when we cut out the dead air, don't worry. <laughs> to, to experience that. But it, it really is this, you know, just three to five seconds of just letting it build and you'll see the growth and then breathing out. And that's how an Isla whiskey should finish. So thank you for having me on. Mm. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Thank you for coming on. Cheers, Lange. 
Mm. Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I know what you, I totally know what you mean. Like you start off and it's just this, like when you're smelling it, it's like this gentle and like delicate, like, like just beautiful, kind and caring Pete coming to give you a nice warm hug and then you drink it. And it's like the slow, yeah, fire cabin burning yeah. down. Like fire <laughs> at the back of the cabin, yeah. Yeah. And it's over. And oh, wow. And it has, I love the, it has a little bit of, I don't know if this is accurate, but I feel it got like a little oiliness to it. Like yeah. it's kind of like coating my mouth with a nice, like, like not like oil. oil. It's really good. Oh. But it, it's, it's one of, Isla Whiskey is always one of those ones where I remember in a tasting, someone went, so you're trying to achieve iodine? In the whiskey, <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, yes, like it is a it's a desired tasting note, and I think Big Pete just scratches that itch. It's just a it's a perfect Isla whiskey. It's just it encompasses all of it, and it's that you know coastal breeze that's then breathing the bonfire out, and it's all of that. It just it really captures it. And I know I'm being extremely romantic. We've only had well three drams of wine <laughs> it's Sunday, and it's about we like it. It's nice. <laughs> We're enjoying it. Keep yes. being romantic. You're bewitching um, us with your words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I love that story. You really built it up before we took a drink and built yeah. the suspense. I was like, yeah. can I drink it yet? Can I drink it yet? Um, I already fell in love with it before you. If I even drank it, so I feel like what you what you describe is so true. And when you take a drink, it's like it rudely takes over your whole mouth. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. It's like <laughs> when Big Pete enters the room, it's okay. It's that's it. Game over. Yeah. Um, but I, I get a lot of like spice and nut nuttiness with this one as well. Mm. But I make I mean I make a smoky sour with this. I make a classic Ooh, whiskey sour recipe with yum. Big Pete. And it the sweetness in it carries through and it has that kind of smoked, you know, peat aroma to it. It works really well. This is really good. Like I mean, I'm always, I'm always a sucker for Isla whiskey in general. So I think this one is now overtaken um, my favorite out of the three so far now. Because um, mm-hmm. yeah, this is absolutely yeah, this is absolutely beautiful. And you know what? I I don't think I, I'm really glad I had the opportunity to try it and uh, be, yeah, for you coming on. Because otherwise, I don't know when I would have been able to try this. Um, mm. Side note: uh, the guy's expression, Big P on the on the front. Why is he squinting like that? And furrowing his brow. So, um, Fred, this was our first remarkable regional malt back in 2009 when uh, when Big Pete was released, and we had no we had no concept to continue on and do a regional malt for for each region. Um, we were just going to do an Isla because that is as Cara and Fred's and and Fred's father. Um, that was their favourite region. That was their favourite flavour profile. So we'd only planned to do it. And when Fred did the brief, it was you know Pete has come home from a, a long weekend of fishing. And he's about to about to come home and he's just dropped off the boat and he's like, right, I can I can have a dram now. And he takes, you know, his dram of his favorite Isla Peated whiskey and it's stronger than he remembers and quinces and that's the face that Big Pete's putting oh. oh, You know that, that intense wow. That's that's a taste of home now that I'm back from fishing from from such a long period of time. So he's that's him coming home and having his first dram of Isla whiskey in yeah. such a long period of time. Look at that. I almost thought too, in a way, it almost looked like someone off. Uh, like slapped him in the face and he was like taking the hit yeah <laughs> which is almost like taking you know you have isla after a long time that's kind of it hits you it gets you 
I thought yeah. it was that uh, Isla Breeze just hitting you in the face because that, that Isla Breeze actually knocks you off your feet. <laughs> but he got a little sand in his eye in this one. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful rendition. So does does Big Pete get a lot of, does he get, uh, you know, is his, is his uh, stash always full? Does he always have unlimited supply of this then? Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's a good touch in kind of the batches. So like Big Pete, all of the Remarkable Regional Malts, and especially the three that we're tasting, it's we talk about being small batch and we are, it's 9,000 bottles roughly to each batch that we do these guys. And that sounds like a lot, but when you think about say larger companies, that's like a limited edition in one market across the world. It's really small. So we we genuinely do do in small batch and the key focus for us is quality. Um, Rock Island costs us the most in Ubers. I don't know if I told you the story before, but Rock Island is the most difficult one for us to make sure that it is encompassing all of the islands. So it goes from the vatting site to head office in an Uber. So it's a little seatbelt on this little 100 ml <laughs> sample. And then it comes to the HQ and then it's oh, it's not quite right. It needs more of this. So it goes back to the, the wee 100 ml sample, it goes back to the vatting site. And, uh, with the t- well, obviously it does. And being the tasting notes go back and then another 100 ml arrives, you know, next week. And oh, yeah, okay, that's not quite right. So that Uber has been used. So thankfully it's not my my Uber account, but yeah. uh, Rock Island costs the most. So the, the, the story behind that is the, it's the focus on quality really is making sure that, you know, we would never produce anything that we weren't a hundred percent happy with, or we didn't think was, you know, big Pete or rock Island or scallywag or whatever it may be. So it's uh, it's just great. And I think he is, he's just, he's just Island of glass. And as I said, it scratches mm-hmm. every time I want a PT whiskey, it's so easy to reach for a big Pete because I know it's going to scratch that itch and satisfy it to, and beyond. It's just a great dram. Yeah. It's really great. I really I'm gonna finish it right now. Yeah, I'm gonna so, so I, I'm also gonna finish it. I don't care if it's before noon still. <laughs> so it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for introducing us to these three amazing um blended malts. Truly like I've learned so much today already. Like I thought I knew, but I but I guess I didn't know as much as I thought I did. So you're a wealth of information. Mm-hmm. And you're also like the king of analogies, I'd have to say. <laughs> yeah the one we did when we weren't re- when we weren't recording was was probably <laughs> a bit obscene, the best one yeah was, yeah um, yeah no I like I've always considered you know like when I was working at Pernod Ricard I loved that and it's you know Ian Logan who was the international ambassador there he was my mentor and constantly went and asked him questions because when I was in India everyone thought I was you know everyone looked to me as the whiskey guru and knew the most about whiskey in the company in India and it was like no I don't you know I absolutely don't so I would go to Ian Logan and I've always considered if you're the smartest person in the room you're in the wrong room you need to it's constantly learning yeah. like when you look at the you know Dave Broom, Charles McLean, Ian Logan, uh, Alan Winchester, uh, Sandy Hislop all these amazing guys in the industry uh, it, you know I know nothing I know absolutely <laughs> nothing you know it's Fred for example and Cara they've seen so many whiskeys come from new mixed spirit to fruition now, I've been in the whiskey industry for eight years, not even. So I've only seen whiskeys that are eight years old, arguably, not even come to fruition. You know, I've still not even seen like a Talisker 10 basic, you know, on a back bar. It's a long time. So it's constantly learning, constantly trying to learn. Well, I think me and Pam are in the right room. You might do, you need to go to another room, but we're happy. To- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're happy to be in the room with you today. Because we yeah. are. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Really enjoyed those three. No, I loved it. Thank you so much for for having me for sampling along. It's just uh, you guys make it so easy. It's great fun. Yep. Cheers. 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 Bye. <laughs> Bye. 
so that wraps up season two episode seven of the dram vibe podcast look at that um that was a good one Stuart. again thank you what a guy um another Stuart we want to say thank you to is uh Stuart bobbin who wrote our theme song this is the life here's to you stew stew's all over the world here's to you all make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast and follow dram fine podcast on instagram any whiskey or topic suggestions please reach out we would love to hear from you Bye. 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 Should I, should I keep huh? it on in my head? What? Sure, like, oh, the bottles are independent. Oh, your head's so <laughs> All the bottles are independent. Cask your whiskey, whatever way. No, they don't cask it. They would, like, blend it. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good one. There you go. That's good banter. <laughs>